The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I would like to try to continue tonight on the subject we've been speaking on. We've entitled uh, this series of messages, Acceptable Words. And this will be our sixth time to try to speak on this subject. And we've had three uh, primary verses which are the foundation for this subject. And the main one is Psalms 19 and 14, where the psalmist says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. And then we noticed in Proverbs 18, 21, Part of that verse says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then in Ephesians 4.29, it makes it clear that our words can have a corrupting effect or they can be edifying. Last time we talked about what the consequences are if we say the wrong thing in the wrong way at the wrong time. And it's not necessary for all three of those components to be there in order for our comments to be unprofitable. You may just say the wrong thing. You may just say it in the wrong way. Or you may just say it at the wrong time. But tonight we want to look at the positive side of that aspect. And that is, what are the benefits when we say the right thing in the right way at the right time? And I want to begin tonight in 1 Peter chapter 3 and read verses 8 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, I read all of that so you could see the context, but we want to emphasize uh, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Now, whatever follows that ought to be something we're very interested in. Surely it should be our desire to love life. You know, God doesn't intend for us to be miserable here and just struggle through life until we get to be in heaven. 
We recognize that we're strangers and pilgrims, and this world is not our permanent home, but God is pleased if we enjoy our life here in a way that honors Him. And the book of Ecclesiastes outlines some of the ways we can go about enjoying our natural life in this world. But he also says, he that will love life and see good days. I want that, don't you? We've seen some bad days. We've had some struggles in the last year that we've not experienced before. But here Peter says, he that will love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Notice he doesn't say that if you want to love life and see good days, here's what you ought to be saying. No, he says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. It's not a matter of saying more, it's a matter of saying less. It's a matter of saying the right things in the right way at the right time. Let him refrain, he says, his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That word guile there seems to indicate bitterness. You ever heard someone speak in bitterness? It's not profitable for anyone to hear that. So here he's talking about not only should we speak the right thing, that is, it ought not to be that which is evil, that which is ungodly, but it also should not be in guile or bitterness. It should be said in a positive, edifying way. That's a good starting point. He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. In Philippians chapter 4, in about verse 5, Paul simply says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, if you're at peace with the Lord, that's going to be reflected in the way you interact with other people. That's going to be reflected in what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. The word moderation actually means... A sweet, reasonable spirit. Let your moderation, let your attitude, let your gentleness, let your reasonableness be known unto all men. Why? The Lord is at hand. You see, if you're aligning your life with the principles of God's Word, you're going to feel an inner strength even in the presence of those that oppose you. Because you're going to have the sense that, Lord, what I'm doing pleases you. The Lord is letting you know it, it pleases Him. And if He's on your side and you're on His side, you're in a good position. And you have much more strength and courage than you would be if you were looking unto man. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You want to love life? You want to see good days? Refrain your lips from evil 
and speak no guile. Now let's look now at some of the particular benefits when we are careful to use acceptable words. Most of these passages are going to be in Proverbs. Notice first of all in Proverbs chapter 21 and you know, I believe you could preach from now until the Lord comes back on what the book of Proverbs has to say about what we say. That's one of the main subjects. In Proverbs chapter 21 and verses 23 and 24, notice this. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. You know, you rarely... Uh, get in trouble when you're, be, when you're quiet. That's right. You know, if I'm in a meeting, a business meeting, and Brother Chris was talking this morning about a meeting with the, with the DAs, if I'm in a business meeting, normally you won't get in trouble if you don't say anything. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, whoso keepeth, the word keepeth means to guard to watch it, to keep it in check. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Brother Chris voted, uh, quoted the verse that says, uh, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. The more you talk, the more probable it is you're going to say something you ought not to say. That's what that means, there wanteth not sin. There's no shortage of sin if you talk all the time. And then look at verse 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Now that's the way the world is. That's the way someone is that doesn't fear the Lord. Someone that doesn't have a desire to speak only acceptable words. That's what we want to avoid. We don't want our words and what we say to give the impression to others that we are proud and haughty and we deal in wrath. But we want to keep our mouth and our tongue and consequently keep our soul from troubles. Parents tell their children when they go somewhere, now you stay out of trouble. Well, this is what we can tell adults. Here's how you can stay out of trouble. Watch what you say. And then notice, not only do our words, if they're acceptable, keep our soul from troubles, but they also have a preserving effect. You remember the verse in Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Our words can have a corrupting effect if they're not acceptable to the Lord. But here he talks about a preserving effect, which is just the opposite. In Proverbs 14 and 3, notice how he uses that word. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. But the lips of the wise shall preserve them. See, these are ways that benefits you. 
Now, there's a lot that the Bible says about how your words, when they're acceptable to the Lord, will benefit others. But we want you to see now how it's to your, it's for your own good. It's not a matter of just saying, well, I, I'm going to try to stop hurting other people's feelings. I'm going to try to stop offending people. Those are all uh, admirable desires, but what I want you to see tonight is how it is good for you to use acceptable words. He says you'll keep your soul from troubles, and here he's contrasted uh, to the fool. He says uh, in uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 3, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. That's the way man is when he's not disciplined by the Spirit of God. He's proud in what he says. He wants to promote himself, brag about himself. He wants to uh, speak evil of others. He wants to uh, intimidate others. Everywhere he goes, he speaks offensive, harsh, hard words. It's a rod of pride. The Bible says, a fool uttereth all his mind. I love what I heard someone say one time. They said, a fool is not someone mentally deficient. A fool is someone that is mentally self-sufficient. Think about it. He doesn't need any help. The fool knows everything in his own mind. That's why he's a fool. He doesn't listen to any counsel. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, in the mouth of fools is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. You know, in this subject more than any other is one where I see how much I fail every day. I don't want to preach on this again, I don't think, because it's so convicting. You know, and you know, Today, and I'm sure I'll feel the same way after church, and think about your own situation, how we say things that are not acceptable to the Lord, that are not edifying. I believe that's why James said, let's just turn to that. I don't want to misquote it. In James chapter 3, and we've read from here several times, but there's so much about it. In James chapter 3, verse 2, he says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Now the Bible doesn't say that if you can avoid fistfights, you're a mature Christian. It doesn't say that. It says the sign of maturity, the sign of great self-discipline is a man that doesn't offend in word. He says, you show me someone that has their tongue under control, that only uses acceptable words, I'll show you a man that is perfect, indicating mature, full-grown. I'll show you a man that's able to bridle the whole body. In other words, that's at the top of spiritual maturity. You find someone that has mastered the tongue, and you found someone that is a mature Christian. 
You know, James says the tongue can no man tame. You say, well, why does he tell us to get it under control? And why are you reading all these verses about that if James acknowledged no man can tame it? Well, you remember the wild Gadarene, no man could tame him. No man could tame him, but the Lord had no problem taming him. So the point is, you need the Lord's help. And I have found in my experience, especially when it comes uh, when to say something, that if you'll pray for the Lord's help, He'll give you those impressions. Yes, there are Bible guidelines, there are Bible principles, but you also need the special providential leadership and impressions of God's Spirit in the different situations you may find yourself in. There may be a situation where you need to say a certain thing in a certain way and you're, you're in the same uh, similar scenario but it's with a different person. Well, that person's going to react differently. They're going to receive it differently. So you may need to say the same thing but in a different way. There's not some little card we hand out and say, here's how you answer everything. No, we need to pray for God's guidance and wisdom. And then notice this. This takes it one step further. In Proverbs chapter 13, Proverbs chapter 13 Verses 2 and 3. Now watch this. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. Now that's to me an unusual way of making a point. I'm going to eat good based on the fruit of my mouth. That means that it will go well with you. If your mouth, Brother Chris, speaked about fruit this morning, and he talked about that fig tree when Jesus came and he cursed it because it wasn't bearing any fruit, well, in like manner, that's what he's talking about here. And notice what he says, He that, uh, he that um, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. In other words, your tongue can get you in trouble or keep your soul from troubles. Your, your tongue can preserve you through what would otherwise be a difficult situation if you don't keep your tongue, if you don't use acceptable words. So that's what he's talking about here. You'll eat good, and this is not necessarily talking about physical food. This is talking about your, your, your spiritual food and your sense of, of satisfaction with your life, he, uh, uh, where you have a sense that you have a purpose for living and you're enjoying life. That's what he's talking about. He says, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. If you go around offending people all the time, you're not going to enjoy life with other people. You'll eat good by the fruit of your mouth. But then watch this. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Ooh, that's something, isn't it? What I say can 
keep my soul, what I say can preserve me, what I say can keep my life. You know, some, sometimes people think you said something that you didn't. And the consequences can be just as severe as if you did say it. On the third day of high school, the third day of high school, a young man that went to a different junior high school, you know, usually two or three junior high schools will go to the same high school, walked up to me and said, I heard you've been talking about Paula. Paula was his girlfriend. I didn't know Paula. I'd never seen her, didn't know what she looked like or anything. And he was mad. <laughs> now let's just pretend that I had done what he accused me of. He, he accused me of saying things about her to inquire that she wasn't a good girl in a moral sense. And he was ready to fight. And later on that day, I didn't want to fight him because I didn't know the girl. I was sitting on the bleachers in the gymnasium and all of a sudden from back here I feel this just a numbing effect and the blood just I don't khaki pants the blood just poured all over me and the nurse said it was the worst nosebleed she had ever seen the point is if I really had said those things the effect was the same whether I said them or not but your words can affect your life you see that I mean I was saying I don't even know your girlfriend why why is this happening We can't control it when somebody says we said something that we didn't. But if the scenario was such that I had said those things and reaped those consequences, I could have avoided them by not saying those things. You can lose your job over your words. You can do great harm to your marriage with your words. You can isolate your children through your words, what you say and how you say it. You ever heard of a parent that says to their child, well, you're, you're just worthless. I can't depend on you. That's when the words are, are like that proverb said, Death is in the power of the tongue. You know, it also says the words of a talebearer are as wounds or like swords that go down to the innermost part of the belly. That means they hurt people to the very core of their being. And you can do that to your children. You can do that to your husband or wife. You can do that to other people in the church. So think about those three things. If we will speak acceptable words, it'll keep us from trouble, it'll preserve us, and even keep our life. Now notice this one in Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 
15, verse 1 and 2. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Now notice that first part, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Now, probably all of us have been the object of road rage to some degree or another. I was coming home about a week ago, and, you know, where the two lane turns into one lane at Gordo, I didn't commit to a certain lane quite quick enough so the guy behind me got all upset. So we've all experienced things like that. But I remember a story that Elder Sam Bryant told one time. He said he was really, really tired. He had been preaching in another church. He was on his way home, and he said, I don't know what I did, but this guy got really mad and started tailgating me, and I tried to get away from him, but I couldn't. He just kept tailgating me, and he said, I finally just pulled over, and he said, the guy walked up to my window, and he was all angry, ready to fight, and Brother Sam just said, Sir, I don't know what I did, but I'm just tired, and I'm on my way home, and I'm sorry. And he said that just settled him down. Now, I'm not saying that will always be the effect, but the book of Proverbs is a book of general common sense principles. Imagine if he would have got escalated himself. There would have been a fight, no doubt. A soft answer turneth away wrath. It should be easy for us as primitive Baptists to do that if we'll remind ourselves of our core doctrine that we believe God is sovereign. He worketh His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? And when, when, we're, when we align our behavior with the teachings of God's Word, He is on our side. You don't have to flex your muscles if you're pleasing the Lord. You don't have to try to intimidate other people if you're pleasing the Lord. You don't have to try to manipulate things at the office so you'll, get, you'll move up on the ladder. No, just align your life with the Lord's Word. Honor Him and He'll take care of all that. Oh, that's, you can sleep a lot better at night doing things that way than if you think I've got to manipulate every situation and uh, outsmart somebody else and make sure that, that, uh, that they get out of the way. That, that, that's what will bother you at night. You know, I believe many of God's children have never tested the Lord. You say, what do you mean test the Lord? Well, in... Uh, in uh, it was either in Haggai's day, perhaps, we'll look that up later, where the Lord says, uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith. God says, try me out. 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there'll not be room enough to receive it. You don't think God will take care of you when you obey His Word? Do you ever catch yourself saying, well, here's what the Bible says, but if I do that, here's what will happen. Prove God. Some children of God have never done that, so they don't have a confident relationship with the Lord. I'm telling you to prove Him. See if He'll do what He said. He will. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, Paul told the young preacher Timothy in a very specific way in 2 Timothy 2.24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. He's talking about your mannerisms. Some people think the only way you can be truthful and consistent is to be hard. Some people think, well, if you're gentle and you don't speak up and just be forceful and, and let people know where you stand, that means you're, you're, you don't really stand for anything. No, a person that can be gentle and calm has much more rule over their own spirit than someone that gets mad at the drop of a hat. You know, that's the world's way to say, well, I told him. You know, I actually heard a preacher one time say, well, so-and-so from another denomination visited our church, and when I got through preaching, he won't be back. He thought he was doing something good. But what he did, he's used, he unnecessarily used offensive words, either in what he said or how he said it. Or maybe that wasn't the time to say it. Brother Chris and I know about some funerals. Thankfully, it wasn't Old Baptist, but we know about some funerals where some things were said where that was not the time to say those things. It might have been true, but it wasn't the time to say it. The standard for knowing when to say something is not whether or not it's true. If it's untrue, you don't ever say it no matter what. But just because it's true doesn't mean you tell it. That's what the book of Proverbs is talking about when we, that, that we, we, should be, we should cover other sins. The context of that is not that if someone's living immorally in the church, we just ignore, ignore it and sweep it under the rug. No, the context is I'm going to overlook as much as possible. I'm not going to call upon you for every little way you slip up. Why? Because I see that except for the grace of God... I'd be doing the same and a lot more. Amen. And yet, as far as the individual is concerned, he says, if you cover your sin, you won't prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You see how God look, works? He didn't appoint me to make sure that you confess all your sins and live right. He didn't appoint me to do that. But you ought to. If you want to be closer with the Lord, and notice this, 
Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 2. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. Now you can think of knowledge as information, as truth, as that which you know about other people to be, to be true. There's no question about it. It's not gossip. It's not unestablished. But again, the more knowledge you have, the more careful you need to be on how you use that knowledge. And preachers have a, a great responsibility in that area. If members share things with me that are intended to be confidential, they need to stay confidential. I have the knowledge, but I need to use it aright. Hopefully the Lord's giving me some knowledge about marriage and about children, but I need to take that knowledge and use it in a way that is profitable for the other person that I'm talking to. Not just to tell them everything that's happened in my marriage. That wouldn't be good, would it? Here's what's happened. No, I don't want to tell them everything that's happened. I don't want to tell them all, everything that's been said and done in my home. Oh, that'd be knowledge I'm giving them. It, it sure enough happened. It's the truth. But I need to use that knowledge aright. I'm not going to tell it all. And if I tell something that would be for their good, I probably won't tell every detail of it because they don't need to know every detail of it if it was a, a bad situation. Now let's just read a couple of more verses. And remember, we're talking about how acceptable words benefit you. If the Lord will so lead, we may talk next time about how it benefits other people when you use acceptable words. But look at Proverbs uh, chapter 15 and verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Now, I never have went away with joy when I told someone off. Have you? I never went home and said, I just feel so good and peaceful about that. Never have. This says a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. In other words, when you answer someone, especially if it's a, 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 a situation where there's strife, and if you answer that person in a gentle way with a soft answer, when you go home, you're going to have joy. Because the Lord's going to be saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That'll give you joy, won't it? You won't be all upset about what well, the other person got the last word in. You'll never be happy by winning the argument or saying the last thing or saying the most convincing point. 
But when you say the right thing in the right way at the right time, you will have joy by the answer of your mouth. You see how it affects you? We normally think of how what, how what we say affects other people. This is how it affects you. And a word spoken in due season. That means there's a season that's not due season. You remember that verse where it says that uh, let us not be weary in well-doing? For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Now this, this somewhat links together with what I was saying earlier about how we need to uh, prove God and test Him out and see if He won't do what He says. Notice how this is very similar to that in that He says, uh, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap. Who decides when due season is? God. Young person says, well, Lord, if I'm not married by this age, I'm going to get married. You're going down the wrong road in due season. You say, Lord, I'm going to stay with this job another year, and if I'm not treated right and I don't get a raise, I'm quitting. You're looking at it the wrong way. You better be saying, Lord, even though things aren't going right, I want to do the best job I can. Did you know you're really working for the Lord? It doesn't matter so much what your supervisor says. You may be doing a perfect job and he's still hard on you. Yet if the Lord sees you sweeping the floor better than anybody else, he'll honor you for it. He will. He's the one. He's your real employer. If you want to reap the blessing in due season, then do things right in the present situation. Someone once had a, uh, some embroidery in their bathroom. I saw it said, bloom where you're planted. That's a pretty good point, isn't it? Bloom where you're planted. Don't wait until you're planted at the place you're completely happy with and then you're going to start blooming. No, wherever you're at, bear fruit. Honor God. Do what's right and commit the results to Him. He may give you a job that pays more or He may give you a job that pays less where you can be a better father, a better husband, and a better churchman. But see, the problem is we don't want that. I don't want what God's going to provide, I want, want it my way. Like Frank Sinatra, you know, I did it my way. Isn't it interesting how popular songs can have the worst message, but because of the voice and the music, we think it's great. That song by Frank Sinatra, which was so popular, is all about doing things contrary to God's way. I'm going to do it my way. And we need to bring this to a close, but just look at this, this verse in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 11. He that loveth pureness of heart 
for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Wow, look at that. For the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. You'll be amazed at how far you can go if you speak acceptable words. Even people in authority that may not necessarily fear God. You'll get some respect even out in the world that you may not get otherwise. So we need to pray every day, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.